At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. January 22, 2021 is when I crossed the million dollar mark in GameStop. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I am also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I am very excited to bring you uh, my guest today, Christian. Hi, Christian. Hello, Barbara. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Just starting the day. Perfect. Well, the reason I'm so excited, this is a unique expert episode. Usually our experts uh, disclose who they are. You are going to be anonymous like our regular guests, but you are going to be an expert because you are a real live GameStop millionaire. (laughs) Does it feel weird? (laughs) (laughs) It does feel a little weird still for for having this, this one position, uh, work out so well. Yes. So um, for, if you're just tuning into this episode, you can go back and look at our one of our first episodes of the season where we had on a former hedge fund manager and he explained what was going on with the stock, game stock, um, and talked about what a short squeeze was and kind of went over the history behind it. And so uh, Christian, why don't you give us... Um, Maybe your background and then how you ended up getting into to GameStop. Sure, uh, I'll try to try to make it quick for you. Um, you know, I've been a software developer for quite a, quite a long time, um, programming. And you know, when I was 16, 17 years old, uh, a group of my friends, uh, one of my friends in particular, got us all into investing. He's like, "Hey, we should start investing. This way, we're you know, we don't have to work for the rest of our lives when we hit retirement age." Here's Wait, a mutual fund. At 16? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, is that odd? <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how about we say, because we're keeping this anonymous, but how about, how about we just say how old you are now? Oh, okay. I'm 39 now. Okay, perfect. So you've been, so you started investing at 16. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
so he got us into this mutual fund that uh, we, you know, I still have till this day, and we were auto auto investing into that as we worked through our twenties and thirties. Um, anyways, that kind of got us all into the game of okay, we should probably start learning how to make our money work for us while we're working for our money. Um, so you know, I read books of hedge hedge fund managers. I think there was one like Hedge Fund Wizards or something. I you know, numerous books. Um, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't really too much into the number, like looking at the fundamentals at that moment. Um, a lot of things were, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on work, you know, programming work, but trying to build my my programming company, uh, consulting company, and uh, you know, taking whatever excess money I was making from that uh, and putting it into the market into two or three investments. Uh, you know, and I, you know, I did work with. Uh, side by side with guys that have gone on to build billion dollar companies that are on the uh, New York Stock Exchange. Um, obviously, I knew them before they even got to that. So, uh, you know, from a legal standpoint, it wasn't insider trading. <laughs> it was just like, hey, I know those guys. They're really smart. I know their product. I know that they're always innovating. Uh, so I'm just going to put money into their their IPO. Um, so that was kind of like how I got into and, and stayed of kept a kept a look on the investing, um, more specifically the equities markets. Um, you know, didn't really give too much thought to it other than you know work, make money, go do whatever it is I'm doing in life, and take excess money and put it into you know one, two, or three positions. You know, the the Amazon when it was you know a hundred bucks, eighty bucks at the time. Uh, you know, just kept putting money in as that was growing because I used Amazon. Uh, you know, Apple was another one when it was really, really affordable. Um, you know, I've exited all these p positions at this point, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it was, it was just like, hey, I know these companies as far as I'm in technology. It's my, you know, as Warren Buffett says, your circle of competence. Um, you know, I'm not trying to invest in food companies, right? I'm a technology guy. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I feel like I think that um, when you're looking at investing, my my take on it is it should always be it should always make sense to you, right? So if you're investing in something you don't understand, I always think that's a bit dangerous, and so that makes total sense. So you were in technology, that was your wheelhouse; those were the people you knew, and so that's what you stuck with. Right, and then you know, uh, to jump ahead just a touch, just to get into GameStop, it's like you know, eventually when I came across GameStop and I saw the ticker, I'm like, oh. What's GME? I was like, oh, that's GameStop. <laughs> and, you know, pop culture, everything. We grew up with this playing video games. You know, I played video games a lot with my friends, did the online thing, you know, with, uh, you know, played in the, you know, played Sega, PlayStation, Super Mario Kart, you know, the console games, and then, you know, got really heavy into computer games, you know, playing Quake and all these, these things that, you know, I almost, we all failed school high school because of this, we would be playing games constantly trying to get better at, you know, faster, you know, video cards, faster modems, better equipment, you know, all for that half second edge, you know, over these other people online to win. Um, so that's why, you know, I responded well to GameStop. I'm like, oh, I don't fully understand GameStop story at the moment when I saw it, but I understand what GameStop is. And I had that emotional connection to it. Uh, you know, growing up. So I'm like, all right, I can look into this more, uh, you know, and now being a little older and a little bit more, Hey, you know, I do want to 
be a little smarter about where I put my money. So I'm not like losing it and whatnot into something that I don't know what's going on. Uh, that's what led me to, you know, doing more research on GameStop. So did you come uh, across it totally on your own or were you in the Reddit channel? So it's funny. I came across it uh, by myself. It was me and a, another buddy from the same group of, you know, uh, friends that we've all been investing together. Uh, you know, there's probably five or six of us uh, and we all, you know, chat here and there over the years. Um, but one in particular, one buddy in particular, he's got the same risk appetite, if not, <laughs> if not more than I do. Um, so he, he and I kind of bonded together and I was like, Hey man, uh, you know, back in 2019, I was like, look at GameStop. Look at the short interest. How can something be a hundred percent shorted? Is that even legal? Like, how is that even possible? Um, and he started looking into it because you know I do defer to him uh, since he's more in the financial sector of things. Uh, you know, if somebody wants to build a computer program, they ask me. If someone wants financial advice, they ask him. So okay. uh, I'm just <laughs> leaning on his experience. And uh, he's like, "Wow, let's look at this some more because I don't know how this is possible." Uh, and, you know, 2019, you know, we looked, you know, looked at the fundamentals or looked at the books and it's like, okay, cool. GameStop is, you know, they're selling video games. They're selling console games uh, that you go and you buy, you plug in at your house, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, you know, the sentiment at the time is like you, you asked anybody in the world, most people would say, oh, they're going the way of Blockbuster. They're going to, you know, Blockbuster got its lunch eaten by Netflix uh, yeah. because it's streaming. So why would people go buy games from a store when you have streaming coming out for streaming the games? And, you know, growing up with this stuff, it's like, you don't. Th those are the people that don't understand gaming. It's like there's kids being born every day. There's kids that want to play these games every day. It's a cult thing. It's it, it has nothing to do with it's outside of the realm of uh, logic, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, people want I, I want to go buy games a fanatical following kind of like you would say there are certain brands that have this following that they just are always going to be loyal to that brand. hundred percent. Like and yeah. And, and you know, when you're into something, it's like, you know, uh, when you, when you buy an Apple product and you really like Apple products and you have the choice between going to Best Buy to buy your Apple product, Target to buy your Apple product, or go to the Apple store and buy your product. If you're an Apple cult like fan, where are you going to go? You're probably yeah. going to go to the Apple store. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and then how did you see the short interest? Were you, did you have, you must have, did you have like a trading software or <laughs> how did you, how did you know to look at short interest? <laughs> oh, it's a, no, it's just, fi you know, finance.yahoo.com. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't own any tools. I don't use any screeners. I don't do any of that. It's just purely like, clicking around on a screen and it's like, Oh, here's suggested tickers. You know, I was looking, I don't even know what I was looking at that day that, you know, GME, the ticker GME popped up on the right side. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. Um, so I, I clicked on it and then I saw, you know, I just cruised the, uh, the numbers and, you know, it was like a hundred and 104, 102, 104, 106%. And I was like, well, that's not normal. And then you go and you look at, you know, 10 other things on your watch list that you're not in. And you're like, oh, you just do a quick comparison. It's not rocket science. You know, it's like, right. okay, well, this thing's wildly over, you know, uh, shorted. 
And then you look into, you know, well, why is it shorted so much? And then you've got all that sentiment, you know, you've got the thing about streaming, um, you know, and like there again, it's 2019, uh, didn't know about Reddit until, you know, a year later, uh, when things started to, to warm up a bit. Um, anyways, you know, looking at that, looking at the short interest, looking at the current executives, um, the biggest thing was, you know, oh, Blockbuster, you know, the media. So the, the thing I've learned is, you know, everything that you read in the media, you really need to use it as a guide, not so much dogma. You know, it's yeah. uh, you have to do it yourself. I mean, people, you know, I don't know, you know, pay for all these other people to tell them what to invest in. And that's probably not a good idea. I've always subscribed to the rule, two rules, actually. Uh, one, manage my own money if I can. Uh, because no one's going to look out for my best interest better than I will. The second is, um, you know, kind of swing for the fences because what do I have to lose? Yeah. So there is that risk, that risk appetite that I'm, I'm used to and okay with, you know, big risk, big reward type situation. Um, so I'm willing at the time I wasn't, I didn't really understand what, I'm willing to put it all on the line means until GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't saying now that you're saying that after the fact, but you definitely tested <laughs> that theory and your risk appetite. That's right. And it was, uh, so anyways, yeah. So saw the short interest, you know, everybody. And then I started seeing the articles about, oh, like, oh, the streaming. And I'm like, well, I don't really trust the streaming part of it. Uh, you know, the streaming sentiments, like, People are still going to buy the physical copies, still going to buy the consoles. And by people, I mean kids. Um, and there's always new kids, you know, uh, coming in. The second thing would be, you know, Blockbuster. Oh, it's going the way of Blockbuster. Well, you really can't take that at surface value. And I was like, well, let me just go see what killed Blockbuster. <laughs> and you know what? You know, you find out, hey, you know, the CEO had a conversation with the the, the founder of Netflix, you know, early on and then kicked him out of his office, you know, maybe not kicked him out, but, you know, got him, go shoot him out of the office. Right. right. And then it's like, well, Blockbuster, it was, uh, you know, the CEO at the time, I wish I could remember, I pronounce his name, but I always mess it up. Um, but he actually started Total Access, which was going to become the streaming portion of Blockbuster, right? So he was going to do Netflix but I, you know, he got ousted. So as soon as he started that, he got ousted and then Blockbuster went the way of bankruptcy and closed their doors. And then when you, you look at, well, why did, why did Blockbuster really close its doors where it wasn't a good business? It's like, no, not really. They, uh, you know, their late fees and rewind fees were basically what were keeping them alive. You know, that's not a good business model uh, in yeah. general. Penalizing your <laughs> client is not, it shouldn't be your number one revenue stream. Right. So it's like, well, now... I put that into the thing of like, okay, well, anybody that says, oh, GameStop's Blockbuster 2.0 is 100% incorrect. So right there, I have enough justification to be like, okay, anybody that says that, I don't care what you say. Um, the third thing is, you know, they had, you know, when you look at the books 2019 for GameStop and you look at their debt and you look at cash on hand, they could pay, they had enough cash on hand at the time. I think it was... I think they had 400 million at that moment in cash. Yeah, it was 400 million roughly, give or take. Uh, and maybe like 220 million, 250 million maybe debt. It's like, that's not a bankrupt company. 
you know, they could pay off their debt immediately and still have some cash left over. Right. They're, um, yeah, they were positive. Yeah. So, okay. So we get through those things and then now we're, now we're battling with, so, okay, their sales are dying. Go ahead. So anybody who is listening, I, um, I think this is interesting to hear because you had a real process for evaluating the company, which I know you said you didn't like fundamentals, but this is, this is fundamental research. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, everybody, it's a, it's an umbrella term or, you know, it's very vague. It's like, well, what, what is fundamentals to you, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. It really just comes down to research and asking, looking at the, what people are saying about it and saying like, well, is that right? And then just going systematically through that as a checklist of being like, okay, well, is what they're saying correct? Um, obviously you need to be careful of all the, the biases that can come into play. Like, that I'll talk about in a second, but, <laughs> um, you know, that now you're down to the last thing, which is, and the, obviously one of the most important things, which is sales is like, well, their sales are, are dropping here and there. Well, the thing that's saved them to give GameStop another shot at a win was this console cycle. And 2019 was, the start or the, the planning slash starting of their new console cycle. And that means like every six to seven years, new game consoles come out. So a new PlayStation comes out and a new say, or a new Sony PlayStation, a, suit, a new uh, Nintendo and all this jazz, all those come out every seven years. And luck, what, like, luck was in my favor at that moment because 2019, 2020 was the start of that new cycle. So it's like, oh, wow, let's go look at what, what happened the last over the last 14 years, which gives you two cycles. And if you looked at the chart, I mean, it was a wild spike, a huge spike. It's like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so this is a win. <laughs> How do I do this? What, what's my game plan here? Um, so my buddy and I, we got in 2019, I think around four bucks a share. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And it wasn't that much. And, you know, I do have my, I was, like I said earlier, um, you know, pulling up the dates. Um, I don't have that account specifically, but I do have the second time I got back in. So what happened was 2019 got into it. Obviously, if you look at the charts trading very flat, I mean, GameStop was trading flat for <laughs> almost two years, probably a year and a half. Uh, so anybody that's in something like that, when you're in something of, let's say, $4 a share, and then, you know, 2019 was the start of COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, everything was going on. So everything's shutting down, got all these forces against you. Um, and then 2020 kicks in and starts dropping more. And it's like, well, why am I in this? There's a lot, there's other deals out there because this thing is not moving. So I dumped it. I dumped all of it. Because how much um, did you have in it when you first went in it? So when I first went in, it was not much, probably like 10 grand. Okay. Um, so that got about 2,500 shares uh, at four bucks. Okay. So, well, exactly 2,400 shares at $4. <laughs> um, and then 2020 came and then, you know, March hit and all these things are flying around, you know, uh, you know, all the cruise lines and airlines, everything's just dumping out of the market. Uh, things are going back. And then now you go back to that, that state, that cliche of like, Oh, blood in the streets, you know, 
Um, when there's blood in the she- streets, you know, you take advantage of it on, when it comes to the financial markets. So, you know, I put all my money, you know, put most of my money into, you know, Royal Caribbean and uh, Carnival, uh, you know, just doing some options. And, uh, you know, I made a little bit of cash, uh, but that was like too, vo- I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. <laughs> this is too volatile for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of let that, that kind of ride for a couple of days after whatever March 3rd or March 13th or whatever it was. Um, I can't remember the exact date of the, the drop, like the two or three days. And then I looked at GameStop again and I was like, man, this is probably the one. This is, this feels like this is it. Um, so I'm looking at here. Uh, so I, on March 23rd or 24th, as soon as the market opened, I put 20 grand into GameStop. So I bought it's 5,000 shares of $4. Wow. And so it was Eventually that, kind of the same ahead. price as when you originally got into it in 19. It just hadn't really moved. Correct. And, you know, obviously fast forward that 20,000, just that 20,000 turns into 1.75 million, you know, almost a year later um, alone. But yeah, and then there was a lot, there was another $5,000, uh, you know, worth of buys, you know, shortly after, uh, you know, the, uh, 30 days from there. So we're still in the $4.16 range. You know, I've got to buy here for $4.16, sorry. Um, and then started buying some more. Eventually, I, I stopped at $4.24, it looks like. Um, and I had 10,000 shares at that point. So 10,000 shares at roughly $4, give or take a couple of cents. You know, and there again, that turns into eventually, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, so to rewind just a hot, you know, minute uh, would be the reason why I was going into, you know, putting, this is a pretty large position for me at the time, uh, you know, $20,000 or $40,000 total um, of my portfolio. It was, it was because two years prior, you know, I was like investing and I'm working and I was like, you know, something's got to change. I keep getting into these positions that I feel very confident about. And for some odd reason, they're, I don't wait long enough or X, Y, Z. I'm just, just getting shaken out. You know, my emotions were taking over because I'm trying to do my day job and I'm also trying to manage my own money and I'm very, I'm emotionally attached to both of them. (laughs) Um, so there is a guy that I saw give a talk maybe 10 years ago, 11 years ago in the tech community. His name is Derek Sivers. Uh, D D E R E K and then Sivers S I V E R S. And he, he sold his company for 20, 30, $40 million. I think it was like 20 million, uh, and put it all in a trust. And now he travels the world and writes, um, and his blog, you know, it's very succinct. It's very clear and concise. It's like, Hey, here's, here's a blog post about this, blah, blah, blah. And he had a blog post about topic journals. So obviously writing a journal is good for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it comes to investing and other things in life. The problem with journals is, you know, you buy a notebook from the store and you start writing, you know, put the date in it on page one and you start writing about your day. And then, you know, tomorrow, the next day you write on the same page, page one, you write the date and you write whatever. Well, what, when you fill up that journal, what happens? You have to 
you have to put it in a, you put it in a closet or a box and you go buy a new, new journal. Right. Right. And you start again. Well, the problem with that is, well, what if you want to read everything about and invest it <laughs> that you wrote down in that journal? Um, work. <laughs> correct. Exactly. You're going to need like an index or something. So his concept of topic journals, you know, it's just a file name, you know, you can go read, go read the, uh, I can send you the link after this, but go read that, that real quick, his post. And, you know, he's just got a file system, you know, a file for each, uh, you know, it's the, the file is named the topic. So you have a topic about, you know, dating, you know, you have dating.txt, you know, <laughs> is the name of the file. That's very simple. Well, I had one for, you know, sure. Dating relationship, uh, travel air, uh, and one for investing. Uh, so two years prior to this, this move, I just started writing in this, this journal, this investing journal about all the moves that I was making. And I wasn't just putting in, oh, I bought this at this much, uh, because of this, it was, oh, you know, I would write that, but I would also add more context. I would add emotional context because that's what I'm really concerned with is I have to manage my emotions better when I'm dealing with my money and you know at the time large sums of my money right because well, that that is usually the number one mistake for people managing their own money versus a an institution is an institution it's a job so they're not emotional they have they pick a spot they're going to get in they pick a spot they're going to get out if it goes down too far and then when it's your own money there's that emotional pain you feel when you watch it go down or you know you could also feel great joy when it goes up, but it's more about when it's going down or the volatility, how it can really disturb your emotions. 100%. So that was what I was after. Um, so in this journal over a two year period of time, and it wasn't every single day, but it was definitely, you know, if I had, if I was in a position, if I was a, you know, in a, you know, an investment position, then I felt like I wanted to sell because of some, some market thing going on. I would immediately open up that file because it's very simple, very quick. And I would read every single entry. And this is me telling myself, Hey man, you, if, if you've done some research and you feel confident enough to have been in it anyway, and you have an exit price, which also matters. A lot of people don't understand what <laughs> need an exit strategy. Um, <laughs> and we could talk about that in a second too, but, uh, you know, it's, it's like, look, I, every single time, I, every single time and I would sell too early or I would have, you know, not as much money in that position that correlated to the level of confidence. So, you know, fast forward to GameStop and what I just told you about, you know, putting pretty much $40,000 into it at $4, you know, I, I read that and, you know, the two glaring things that stuck out from the journal was I never put enough in to make it worth the, you know, the risk or the reward, sorry. You know, it's like, I want to win. And then yep. the second thing is I always, I don't hold long enough. So right. Th those two right there can be a, a, a benefit, but also obviously if you're in something bad and you're trying to stay to that, those two rules, <laughs> you can also <laughs> lose a lot of money. Um, but there Which is that other level of like, why an exit strategy is important, which is what an institutional trader would re, re uh, would like analyze the fundamentals again and say, okay, this is where we have to get out if it goes the way we goes a different way. Right, and 
so speaking real quick to exit strategy, you know, going back to the the research that my buddy and I did, we're like, you know what, based off of historical value, you know, uh, performance of the console cycle and, uh, you know, the debt and cash on hand, et cetera, $45 is not out of the question. So when you're looking, you're in some, this was four bucks at the time and we're looking at, oh, it's 40 to $45 is our, our rough exit. I mean, that's a 10 X, right? So right. I'm staring at the 40 grand I put in could be 400,000. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. I'm not going to shake a stick at that. So I, uh, I'm like, okay, cool. So our range was actually 45 to 60, 60 being the ceiling from the current context of where GameStop was and the information that we had on hand. Um, so, you know, obviously the topic journal got me those two things, you know, keep the money, put a bunch of money in and hold longer than I want, you know, hold longer than I feel uh, at that moment in time. And those two obviously are, uh, you know, I don't even get to those two things unless I have the confidence to already be in it. So there's that part, right? Mm -hmm. um, so now, now what happens is the console, you know, you, sorry, uh, you know, the console things kicking up, uh, nothing's really happening as they're selling. So going in, um, oh, sorry, there's an important piece to this. <laughs> <laughs> so I have 10,000 shares of GameStop at 40 grand and, you know, this is early 2020 when shelter in place is happening for coronavirus stuff going on in the world. And, you know. I'm living in my, my RV, uh, full time, you know, as I'm traveling around, I can work remotely and I get stuck in, in Texas. So I'm hanging out in Texas for a couple of months. Uh, and I'm like, you know, this is not very fun anymore. Like I, I could go out into the parks again, the national parks, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, I don't know what's going on with Corona. I don't know what's going to be open. What's going to be closed. I'm out here alone. Let me just go back home to Florida. So I come back home to Florida in September you know, August, September, and I've got this RV and I'm staying in my friend's, you know, his, uh, his extra room. So I'm like, I need to sell this RV. So I sell the RV and this is when GameStop is starting. It's starting its, its move, you know, from six, seven, eight bucks a share. Um, so I sold the RV at a premium because everybody wanted to be in an RV because the shelter in place. Yep. And I was like, you know what, since the RV was paid off, I have, you know, 60 grand, 70 grand in my pocket. I'm going to take 50 of it and put it in the GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know what? And, and you are currently without now a home, right? Because you've been <laughs> So you sold your yeah. home with an RV and you're staying in your <laughs> room and then you took that money. So you were very confident in the research you had done. I was, ex I was extremely confident and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to risk, you know, I, I kept, you know, 15, 16, 18 grand in my pocket so I could go get an apartment for, you know, I did the, the math for a, a whole year here in Florida and I'm okay. like, cool, at least I have, yeah, at least I have the cash to pay for an apartment for the year. So I, I did that. Um, so if this thing went to zero, which it won't go to zero overnight, I mean, I, I could lose money, sure, but it's not going to go to zero. Um, this is worth a shot. I looked at my my topic journal again. I'm like, this is it, man. I'm going in. I'm confident the numbers look good. I'm confident the numbers. I'm 
not confident in what any of the analysts are saying. <laughs> uh, I think everybody has this 100% wrong. So September, I'm looking at the buys here and I bought, uh, okay, I bought 11,000, 20,000, 25,000. So it's 860, so $8.60, another buy for 800 or $8.60. And then my final buy was $10 and 60 cents. And that, that those buys were over the course of three days. So you can see from $8 and 66 cents to $10 and 66 cents, you know, that's $2 move within two days. This thing was starting to tick up and I'm like, man, I got, if I don't get in right now, I'm going to kick myself. Right. So I put the you know, what is it's that? Like you had, it's almost like you had a crystal ball because if anyone pulls up this this chart for this ticker, it was like basically two months later, it really, <laughs> it, it was already going up and then it really, it it started to really spike in, in January, right? 2021. Yeah, exactly. January 21. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, January, January, 20, January, 22, 2021 is when I crossed the million dollar mark in GameStop. And how did from, that, were you, what did you think? And also your friend was in it too, right? Cause you did this together. Yeah. So like I said, he was, he's got a, he's got more experience cause he, he is in the financial industry or he works in the fin- like around the financial industry, not so much in it. Um, and he's got the experience. So he actually did options. Uh, so we both put in roughly the same amount, like capital wise. Um, so mine was a a little over a hundred thousand dollars total in GameStop at around $4, you know, average of maybe six, but he had, you know, the same amount of capital, hundred grand worth, maybe a little less in straight options. So, you know, for every million of mine, he's got three. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he handled it a lot better. <laughs> uh, I was an emotional wreck. I, uh, I, you know, when it, when it was ticking up, you know, I remember going out to lunch with a couple of friends here where I live and, you know, I was excited. My account value, I have, you know, in the past, you know, the, the max maybe was like 400 grand because I would, I would put money into my accounts and I would take it out when I want to go do trips or, you know, mainly just stop working for a year or two. I, you know, I believed in that whole semi-retirement lifestyle of, you know, I'm not going to work constantly for 20, 30 years. I'm going to work really, really hard for a couple of years and then take off a couple of months or half a year and go do stuff or maybe even a full year here and there. Um, so I was, you know, always worried, always in the back of my mind. I'm like, I should probably not do this. I need to have some cash for retirement because it is expensive. Um, so, you know, I was, you know, I was almost, you know, I'd say this hundred thousand dollars, hundred and ten thousand dollars in GameStop was of, I mean, it was a lot of my net worth at the time. Uh, it was, I mean, it was my net worth basically. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> So everything I had was in this, <laughs> uh, you know, when you step back and you look at it, like, well, yeah, that's a lot of money in one thing. Um, so 
January 22nd. So, oh, sorry. I was, I was out to lunch with my friends and, you know, GameStop, my position, my holdings in GameStop were just crossing the $500,000 mark probably in, you know, January 16th or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I was super excited. I'm like, holy Jesus, this is like half a million dollars. (laughs) And of course, like they're sorry, they were like, dude, that's awesome. You should take some money off the table or, you know, get like take half out, blah, blah, blah. And going back to my topic journal, I, there were a couple of times that I wrote in there that was, Hey, don't listen to anybody. (laughs) Uh, Like if you're, if you're confident enough, that's stupid, but confident. It's like, just hold on a little bit longer. Don't, when somebody's like, Hey, you should get out or take this out. It's like, no, I've already, you, that already happened three times. And that's what really pissed me off. And that's why I really started the topic journal was, you know, I'm in something it's going, it's growing over, you know, two, three, four, four year period of time. And, you know, somebody's like, Oh, you got, you should take half the money off out of the table, off the table or take out your initial investment. And, uh, you know, that's fine. I think that's a great strategy, obviously in 99.9% of the time. (laughs) Um, but this one, it's like, no, man, I'm, I, I, I don't know 100% for sure, but I know I'm 97% confident in this play. Like, this is it. Um, Because of all the data that I know. And if I can argue better than the analysts can and give you more information than the analysts can about what's going on, like actual facts, then I'm, I'm okay. I'm not doing anything. Anyways, we're at lunch and they're like, hey, well, also you had you had been trying to train yourself, which is essentially what you're doing with the topic journals to say, if I make an educated decision, I need to not let my emotions or other people talk me out of my decision. That is the whole reason you started the journal was to get better at that aspect. So that makes total sense. One, now I, it's okay to like go back and be like, okay, let me just kind of gut check, reread my topic journal before I make any decisions, which mind you are very tough. People think they can handle this, but I can assure you the emotional roller coaster that you're already on is you are fighting yourself. I mean, I had plenty of chances that day to just hit the button and say, you know what? Half a million is cool. I'll take it. Um, I I will say that I think that that's the one thing I think a lot of people underestimate when your entire net worth is on the line and you don't have a crystal ball. You didn't know it was going to happen. That's a lot of money to you. A lot of money to anybody, I think. And I can only imagine the emotions that you were feeling. And that's usually when people, you know, you just can't take the roller coaster. You want to get off of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it was, I don't even, honest, I don't know what the price was at that moment in time. I mean, I guess we can take the shares and uh, kind of do a, a quick thing here. Okay. It was 30 bucks, you know, around the $30 mark for the share price. And it gets back to what you, you know, we talked about not too long ago was exit strategy, right? It's like, nope, if it's 30 bucks a share, I'm not leaving until it's 45 at least. Like that's not, I'm not even considering selling until 45. Right. Cause that's our, that's my, that's my floor of what I figured out. And that was very, um, you know, generous. Uh, or, so I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so then the next day, <laughs> the next day it's like 40 bucks. Um, and I'm like, oh, uh oh, it's getting there, but it's starting to pick up speed. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> um, and this is a very important thing. And 
I'll mention it before we you you call me out on it, which is I, I told you I had my at my exit strategy of forty five dollars to sixty dollars um, for the share price. That was based off of the context in early twenty nineteen when I first got into it, or twenty twenty sorry, when I first got back into it, um, and started putting that large amount in. Well, the game changed. Those that exit strategy actually moved. The goalposts moved because Ryan Cohen came in and started sending his letters and becoming more active against and or with GameStop and the writing was on the wall that this guy is about to go in. Um, and this is a very important piece as well because it's outside of the bounds of normal fundamentals or you know any type of you know investment knowledge, I guess you could say, uh, when you're looking at just the numbers. So Ryan Cohen was the CEO of Chewy.com and he exited that and, you know, grew, I love dogs, who doesn't? And he built this company, sold it. And this guy, you know, he's chomping at the bit to do something, you know, and you look at what he did and it's like, you know, he wants to go after maybe, maybe, maybe he wants to go after Amazon. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. Maybe he just wants to build a really awesome gaming, you know, company in this new space of esports coming up, which is going to be huge. Um, you know, so when he stepped up and came into the picture, I'm like, uh Oh, this is, this is changing things because my, when I worked, you know, with all these tech companies and startups being backed by VCs, you know, you don't, you invest in the idea. Sure. But you really invest in the people when you're, when you're doing it that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it, there is that element of gut feeling that you, you either have or you don't have about somebody and you make an investment. So, I want to say, you know, that was about the time that I, when I sold the van, that's why I was putting money in because he was starting to, to amp up his, his, uh, interactions with GameStop. So I'm like, dude, this guy's going to crush it. If he gets into GameStop, he's going to crush it. Uh, so my goalposts were now not concrete. They were soft. So the 45, $60 exit was a soft exit. Um, so we got all this stuff going on. And January 16th happens, I cross the half million dollar mark. And then, you know, it starts picking up movement. And then, you know, looking at the historical data for short squeezes, you know, there was just wild spikes with share prices for a couple of days, you know, maybe one or two days, you know, the, the perfect example was like Volkswagen and all that jazz yeah. back in the day um, where it spiked wildly. And, but when you look at other companies, short squeezes, you know, they're only 20, 30% shorted this thing is a hundred percent shorted still um so i'm like me and my buddy he was obviously his experience he's like dude he's like i don't think this is going to be a, a one or two day thing this is going to be like a, a week-long squeeze at least <laughs> you know this thing's just going to keep ripping uh when it gets going and sure enough man january 22nd i crossed the million dollar mark for my totals in, in GameStop. And I haven't, I didn't sell anything quite yet. Um, I will say I sold calls, which did, you know, I wanted to take some money off the table. Yeah. So at the 30 to $40 mark, I'm like, okay, you know, we'll see if this thing hits, goes past 60. So I did sell calls against like a thousand shares to get some good premium. And that actually was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Because eventually, I mean, we all know how calls work and it's like, well, I ended up selling these thousand shares for 60 bucks to somebody when I could have held on to them and sold that for another, you know, 
you know, $350 a share, um, which was my eventual exit. So, uh, which is, we'll get, now we're getting to the, the end of this, we're this ride the, of GameStop. Yeah. The juicy part. <laughs> yeah. The juicy part is, you know, I'm sitting on, you know, quite a few shares and, you know, January 22nd hit. And then that was the weekend. So January 22 was a Friday and I went out to dinner with like four of my buddies and I paid for dinner, of course. <laughs> we went to the fanciest bar we could. And, the, you know, the tab was maybe 200 bucks, maybe 300 bucks. I'm like, man, I just made a million dollars. Actually, I didn't make it yet. I didn't sell. And then, uh, you know, I was a basket case for the weekend because all I'm thinking about is like, people don't, you don't realize like when you're making, when you're, when you're winning, like that is another emotion that you have to deal with. Uh, you know, there's a, a psychological thing, uh, sorry, a phrase. It's like, you know, that my psychotherapist friend told me, she's like, you know, change, even if it's for the better is still unnerving, you know, it still causes turbulence. So here I am, I go from, you know, a hundred grand two, three weeks prior to a million in a very short amount of time. And I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> now what? Um, now I'm really thinking, damn, I'm a millionaire. I'd like, I could sell it. So Monday opens and it just starts ripping and I've got screenshots, you know, for each day and, you know, every single day it's like, I'm, a, you know, adding a million dollars to my net worth. Um, that I'm eating Xanax for three days straight. <laughs> People don't, I mean, it is when you, when you're holding, it's like, it's not easy. Like the easy thing to do is to sell obviously, but it's like, man, now that the squeeze has initiated and you've got, you know, this whole thing, this Reddit stuff going on, which, you know, to answer your question was, I wasn't even part of Reddit until, you know, after I, I bought, you know, after I sold the RV and put more money in, I didn't even know about Reddit, uh, the GameStop stuff on there until November, I think, November, December. Um, and I actually have an account on there. Uh, and I did post my position on there. Uh, under obviously a name that is for it's just so I can go back and leap and say, see, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> um, and it was one of the bigger ones. It was not Roaring Kitty, which that guy seems very nice. I would love to meet him one day, uh, you know. And uh, anyways, yeah. So you know, Monday kicks in. I think I crossed the seven or eight hundred thousand dollar mark, nine hundred thousand dollar mark, and then Tuesday, it just starts ripping. Um, and I eventually sold at $350 a share, which was damn near the top. Um, if not the top, I know there's, it, you know, finance will show you like $430 a share, but I don't remember it ever hitting that unless it was like a flash it, type situation. I was going to say, I think that it went high, but I think it was, you would have had to have hit your sale button or and you would, I don't know that you would have gotten that price. I think it was such a fast, those were such fast trades. Yeah. So the night before I sold everything, I was a complete wreck. I was like, dude, I cannot handle a fourth day of like the entire day for three days straight. I was anxiety. Um, you know, I had, I was popping Xanax, like it was M&Ms, you know, <laughs> trying to, trying to stay calm because it's like, you know, I know this is going to keep, uh, sorry. I feel like no one knows, but it's like, I just have a strong conviction that this thing is going to keep going. Um, it has a, at least another day in, you know, 
And I'm like, all right, I'm along, I'm in for the ride. I'm already, I've already won. So let's just see where this goes on the next day. So say, uh, I think it was maybe like a, a Wednesday night. I can't remember the exact day. I guess I can look, but I'll, I'll spare you the, the time to look it up. Um, it was say, you know, the Wednesday night, Thursday night, and I'm laying in bed, you know, not sleeping. And I'm like, look, I need to set a realistic limit. I, you know, I don't, my buddy always told me, my finance friend, he's like, you know, pigs get, you know, hogs get fat, pigs get slaughtered. Yeah. Is it the other way around? Yeah. Something like so that. that's always, yeah, that's always in the back of my head. I'm like, you know, I just, greed is so subtle and people like, it is very clear to me how I'm being greedy. And when people talk, I'm like, nope, that person's being greedy. You're going to lose. <laughs> um, and it, it's very clear, but very subtle. Um, and you have to fight that, but you also have to understand and be very aware of it. And the example of that, the concrete example of that is the night before I sold, I was like, look, I did the math, you know, $400 a share. If I sold, <laughs> that is wildly successful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking like over $4 million, $5 million right there from a hundred thousand dollar investment within, you know, a year's time. Um, not a bad gig. So I set up my limits, um, and to sell everything at $400 a share. This is where greed comes in. The next morning it starts, the pre-market started running. Um, in the morning it started started inching up and I know it passed 350, it hit 375, 380. And right then and there, I'm like, oh man, oh man, it's gonna, it's gonna blow right through 400. And I started and I promised myself the night before, I cannot raise that number, that limit to sell. I can only lower it. Yep. And sure enough, sure shit, I like I started rate. I went to raise it, and I did raise it for like a split second. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's got to go back to 400. <laughs> and the reason why I put the limit in is, and I'm doing all this on my phone. I'm not doing it on the website because the mobile phone was a lot easier, more efficient to make a sale than okay. it was to log in, do all this stuff. Because I knew I was going to be emotional, and you do not think when you're emotional. Nope. So this is all preparatory. Um, and the reason why I said don't change it is because your fingers stop working. Like my finger, I was like so excited. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And my, my thumbs, I was fat fingering it. I'm like, there's no way this is happening to me right now. <laughs> um, and you know what? I, I changed it back to 400 and I left it for about five minutes. And I'm like, dude, I got to calm down. I ate another Xanax <laughs> and I, and this is like 9.45 in the morning. <laughs> and I jumped in the shower to like try to cool off and get my mind off of things. And, you know, my body's shaking. My hands are shaking. I'm like, dude, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. So I grab, I open the shower, like the curtain or the, the slid the shower open. I grab the towel, dry my hand off. I'm surprised that it slip and fall and break my head. And um, I've got my phone. I'm standing in the shower with my phone out of the shower. And I'm like, dude fuck this. I sold half of it for $350 a share. And I put the phone down and I'm like, cool. I just secured literally two at a $2.25 million <laughs> done. <laughs> Not going to lose it. <laughs> and then I, I like, obviously I put my phone back down on the counter, got like in the shower and I'm thinking, wow, that felt really nice. <laughs> I feel more comfortable, uh, more chill already. And um, I, I swear to God, it was probably Five, five seconds, but it felt like 10 minutes went by. 
and I did it again. I just, I was like, this. And I grabbed the towel again. I opened the door, you know, opened the tower, shower um, door and dried off my hands so I could touch my phone. And I just sold the rest of it at three fifty. And no sooner did I do that, <laughs> it started to drop. And then that's the day that every, all the platforms started to lock things down. And I sold everything for about four point at the time, $4.4 million. So I had 4.4 million cash in my account. Oh my account. God, that is incredible. <laughs> and, I need to like take a deep breath right now. <laughs> even but, six months later. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine the emotions going through. Um, and I will say, I got a text message from you with a screen grab. <laughs> and it was right before you sold. And I was like, Oh my God, how are you living like this? You need to get out. <laughs> I don't even know what that one was, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was, it was hell. It's, I mean, for those who didn't watch it, it was on the news every day. It was super volatile. Things were happening in the pre-market and the post-market. It was, I'm not surprised that you were eating Xanax like M&Ms. Um, it it seemed like a, a wild, wild ride. And so you got out. So congratulations, because, you know, some, you. People, some people stayed in and it and then what happened with that particular stock is the trading platform shut it down. And so you weren't able to get in and out as easily, um, which was unfortunate for some people. Uh, very unfortunate, I'm sure, because with the market for every person who made money, there's a person who lost money, which I think people forget. Um so you you were able to walk away. So your profit was over four million. Yeah, and the so the next thing that comes to mind is oh well it's going to get chopped in half because of taxes. People also forget about taxes. Yes, because um, it is a short. At this, it was I if I had been able to just wait maybe another two months, three months, <laughs> I would have been you know long term cap gains on this stuff, but. uh the, the beauty the beauty about this and it kind of relates back to what I, I, I said earlier too about going full tilt you know or just swinging for the fences uh, a lot of this was in my IRA um, so most of it is tax safe tax deferred yeah tax deferred so, 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 sorry tax deferred sorry about it. yep so that's great I, that was gonna be my next question was how was it all held so it was all held in your IRA or majority. Yeah. Yep. The majority of it is. So it's, you know, that is a huge win. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm actually, yeah, very impressed with myself. And the reasoning for that is, you know, I've, I've always, my, I've always tried to fill up my IRA at the beginning of the year as much as I could, um, you know, when I'm, I'm contributing to it. So a lot of people don't and I understand them. I do sit in some, some bit of an ivory tower, uh, because, you know, I had a great job. I had a great business. Uh, i worked really, I, I had worked really hard. My responsibilities were low. It's not lost on me that, you know, I did have an edge over the majority of people when it comes to being able to, to you put a lot of money away. Um, you know, I don't, I didn't have a family, don't have kids, don't have a house payment, you know, everything was by design. It's, you know, up until this point in my life, my strategy has been, I love my, I love what I do. I love my life, how it is. I love my lifestyle, how it is. I don't live very extravagant, extravagantly, 
but I do spend money when I go, you know, I, when I go traveling, um, even then I don't stay in five star resorts or whatever hotels <laughs> I do now, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I slept on couches. I've rented couches in San Francisco. You know, I did whatever it took to keep my expenses extremely low, almost, you know, I wasn't eating food out of the garbage cans. Like a lot of people you see on YouTube in New York, but, um, you know, I still went out to very nice dinners. I didn't, you know, there was just seeing things in my life, a few of them that I allowed myself to not worry about a budget or anything. Uh, but there were a lot of things in my life where it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not buying or renting a nice apartment. Uh, I'm not going to furnish it with all like, you know, restoration hardware stuff just cause I, I can afford it. You know, lifestyle creep is a very real thing. And people, that's, that's another subtlety that people don't realize. Absolutely. Um, so, so I was able to make these moves and be risky because I knew I would always be, I would be, sorry, I would be enough. It would be enough for me to cover my bills uh, per month because I wasn't living extravagantly. I wasn't, even though I could probably go buy a Ferrari if I really wanted to on my salary, which I would never do. Um, I didn't do it, you know? <laughs> I, I, think you, um, I think you point out, a, uh, you make really valid points was that you're, your control over your finances allowed you to take this risk. So had all those years you've been living in, you know, a high rise building with the doorman and a gym, you wouldn't have had as much money set aside, but because you always kept your housing costs super low and you decided where you were going to spend your money, which it sounds like your money was on travel and, you know, going out with friends at dinner, but the rest of your money, you know, you didn't blow it on a nice apartment or nice furniture or a nice car. You saved all of your money, which gave you set you up in turn to take this large risk. And also you were willing to sell your home at the time, which was an RV um, to take advantage of a hot market, <laughs> right? So you got a premium for yeah. your RV because everybody at that time wanted to be able to travel around and that was the best way to do it. So you were willing to take risk and make sacrifices that a lot of people aren't willing to do. A lot of people won't, you know, they want to get the nicest housing they can get for their money, right? That, so I, I find that the housing cost is usually one of the biggest lifestyle creeps. So just by doing that, you probably put yourself ahead of the game with having more money to be able to make these investments. Yeah, exactly. And there again, you know, I'm not necessarily a hermit. I do have, you know, a social life. I do, you know, dated, et cetera. But, um, you know, another thing is, you know, your, your partner, uh, choosing your partner, or having a partner that understands what the, the goal is also helps. So I did a lot of this as a single male um, because, you know, it's like I, if, you know, this, this might be, what's the word that I'm looking for? I don't know. It just feels like had I stayed with who I was dating uh, at the time, you know, she wanted, you know, a nicer place, you know, she wanted to, get this furniture and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I can't, I just, I don't want to do that right now because when you get a bigger place, you have to have more furniture. And when you get a nicer place, you have to have nice furniture. <laughs> and, you know, if you bought an exotic car or a sports car, guess what? You got to have a place to put it, which means you got to buy it. You can't live in an apartment complex or a condo that doesn't have garages, you know, and that, that all, people don't look at the economy of things. And then having a partner that doesn't understand what I'm trying to do, wouldn't have helped because, you know, eventually up, uh, you know, it's, you know, the, we were dating, uh, and, you know, I made this decision about GameStop internally, you know, unbeknownst to, to, 
to my partner at the time. And I'm like, look, I can't do these things financially right now. I, I need six to nine months. That's all I need. And, you know, she had made the decision. That's not what she wanted. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I said, you know, six to nine months, we'll be in a much better financial position. I promise you. I'm not, I mean, no matter what, I'll make it work. Even if GameStop didn't work out, I still would have made it work. I, I, I try to stay, you know, stay to my word and, you know, fast forward nine months, 10 months, it's now I'm sitting on $4 million. <laughs> well, con and, congrats, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, I found your story super interesting, um, which is why I pre I appreciate you coming on because I wanted to tell your story. But I also having no, you know, knowing you, I knew that this wasn't just you read a Reddit article and you're like, oh, that article is interesting. I'm going to put my net worth into this, sto this stock. I knew just knowing you and how, you know, you're very successful. You have your own company. You're really in to coding, I knew that there was more to this than you just read an article. Cause I feel like that's what a lot of the media suggested that someone just got really lucky when in reality you had been trading stock since you were 16. So well over 20 years and training yourself for how to be a stock trader. Cause as you pointed out, it's not that easy. It is not. And it definitely, you know, like you said, the, the time in the game, like Warren Buffett says time, time in the market beats timing the market. And, you know, it's even if you're just dabbling or, you know, just you have to pay attention, you have to look and you have to have a purpose. So, you know, having money in the game makes you pay, made me pay attention more uh, to what was going on and to see fluctuations and to see how the market financial markets react to current events, but also future events that haven't happened yet that might not happen yet. <laughs> um, and one one final question for you. Are you taking a breather from trading and just relaxing? Or are you back in the market? <laughs> That's a great question. So, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not taking a break quite yet. I'm taking a little bit of a break. I I'm not, uh, I've been trading GameStop because of the volatility and getting back to circle of competence. It's like, well, I, I understand what's going on now and I understand what the company's trying to do and I understand you know, the overvaluation or undervaluation of the current stock price. Um, so I've actually been doing a lot of uh, options around it. So income generation and whatnot. So I've added about since February, probably added a close to six or 700 grand on top of what I've already made. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So I've, I'm toning down, uh, you know, it's that emotional portion. So January, February, early March, my emotions were still, my nerves were all over the place. I was still anxietal. And, you know, if there's anything that I've learned by, you know, with anxiety and or psychology is, you know, there's this concept called flushing. So it's like, well, once you're already, you already have anxiety, you really can't get more than you already have. So, <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to start writing, you know, a million, million and a half dollars worth of uh, cash covered puts on and generating, you know, 300 grand, 200 grand worth of premiums for two weeks while the volatility is high. And I'm already, I already have anxiety. So what does it matter? Um, so it has, I have toned down and right now I'm in, uh, I'm still trading around GameStop. Um, and I'm doing it, I'm practicing portfolio management at this point. So I'm not using my entire portfolio. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got other things that were on my watch list that I, I went ahead and I put money into. Um, so I have, a, you know, a pretty good mix right now, I feel. As we like to say, you're, you're diversified. 
Yeah, I mean, even if like if you looked at it, you'd still be like, no, you're this is not diversified. <laughs> <laughs> it's diversified enough for me. Okay. Well, congratulations and thank you so much for coming on to share your story. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I, I could with you. So thank Absolutely. you. And so for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram at Future Rich Podcast and check us out online at www.futurerichpodcast.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 